0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory podcast. So yeah, so I was saying to the doctor, so see, see this lump down there. What do you think? Uh, we're recording crap. Um, <laughs> oh, hey everybody! Uh,
1: word! Uh,
0: hey, this is um well, uh, well I guess this is uh, Sean from the Pie Factory podcast. Hey everybody! You know what? This week I think I want to be Sean. McShawn. I was MC Sean uh, some time ago, so I figured I want to go back to that and just go to my Irish roots, even though Mick is more Scottish than
1: Irish. But anyway, I'm McShawn. Uh, this is Jimmy G. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier. <laughs> well,
0: who wouldn't be happier if they're co-host of the Pie Factory podcast?
1: Uh, you got me there, pal. When are we going to do Pie Factory the musical?
0: The cool thing is the music is the music from the Pie Factory level of Donkey
1: Kong. That has got to be the most irritating background music I've ever heard in a song. Pitfall 2 for me. No, no there's enough variety and variation in that, and it helps me, t- as we said in the, uh, in our last episode, it helps me time ducking under things, so to speak. So
0: That, uh, okay, yeah, that I got to give you. That I gotta give
1: So th- at least it's useful.
0: And speaking of what I gotta give you, what do we gotta give you? We gotta give you, we gotta give you folks a, uh, or at least one of you folks, a prize package for our uh, still unnamed contest. Mm-hmm. Remember, the it's still not too late to enter. You can contact us. Uh, I don't even know our own email address, and we've been getting emails to it. So isn't that wonderful?
1: What is our email address?
0: Um, it's. You can hear our booth announcer say it at the end of every show.
1: Yeah, we don't need to know it because we don't actually have to send ourselves email. We just have to read it.
0: Oh, it is piefactory at fab4it.com. Or if you wish to contact us over Facebook, through our Facebook page, or private message Dauber or Inky on Atariage, or you can direct message us at piefactorypfp on Twitter... So what you got to do is get in touch with us in one of those ways and tell us what you think the theme of today's episode is, of episode uh 13. Tell us what you think the theme is.
1: from a summer place, from a summer place, the theme from a summer place, It's the theme
0: Next. Tell us what you believe this episode's theme is, and if you're right, then hey, you're, you you uh, get an entry into our wonderful unnamed contest, in which we are giving away an Atari 2600 home computer game system. It is an actual Atari 2600. Ooh. It is not a video computer system. Ooh. It is a black 4-Switch model,
1: a.k.a. Vader.
0: Vader console. Not only that, we are also including at least one working joystick controller, at least one pair of paddle controllers, a working power supply so you can actually use the darn thing, and what we are not including is a switch box. We are also not including one of those little adapter thingies so you can plug the thing into the antenna port in the back of your TV. Sounds kind of evil, doesn't it? Well, not really, you know why? Because in case you didn't hear our previous episode... This Atari twenty six hundred has been modified so you can use the RCA ports on any TV set, so you don't have to deal with a stupid switch
1: box. Thing of which I gotta get my seventy eight hundred modded for that. I love my seventy eight hundred, but it's just kinda becoming a you know, it's just a bit of a pain in the ass to have to put the adapter or switchbox on all the time. Ah.
0: Yeah, I don't remember if it was Atari Age or some other form which someone was saying those of you who think that this is improving the picture, you're fooling yourselves. It's not improving the picture. All you need to improve your picture is this little shielding device or whatever it is. I I, I don't remember what it was. If I can find it, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Everything
1: reminds me of a song. I was just thinking of the Styx song, Fooling Yourself. I am so sorry for to hear that. You're
0: fooling yourself and you don't believe it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and not only will the winner get this stuff, but the winner will also get the following atari 2600 games with it in various condition some may have manuals some may just be the bare cartridge but they will all be working the games are arcade conversions because we are an arcade podcast straight the games include but are not necessarily limited to combat what that's not an arcade conversion well maybe it's not but you know what If you're getting a twenty-six hundred, you're getting a you're getting at least one copy of Combat. Ooh, maybe I should stick all my copies of Combat.
1: Back in my day, when we got a video game system, we got a copy of Combat and we liked it.
0: And in addition to Combat, there will also be Asteroids, Lock and Chase, Pac-Man, Circus Atari, Ms. Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Frogger, Joust, Mario Brothers, Reactor, Centipede, Millipede, Warlords, Phoenix, Space Invaders. Crystal Castles, and if I played my cards right, Commando, Gyrus, Donkey Kong Jr., and Super Cobra, some of which were donated by the one and only Ferg. So thank you, Ferg, for uh, donating to our cause here. I wanted to see if we could just get away with doing one episode without mentioning Ferg, but I guess it's not going to happen this time.
1: Well, I guess maybe at some point in the future we could say we did that back in the... Oh boy. He hates us.
0: I, yeah, he. I don't I don't know if he sent those games in yet, but uh, <laughs> he probably won't now. But, oh, well, Blame Ferg, everybody, if uh, if you're missing <laughs> those games, with you win.
1: Wasn't that the, the big song from the South Park movie, Blame Ferg?
0: Did you see Robin Williams perform that? Oh, no, man. No, I didn't. Oh. I'll put a link to that in the show <laughs> notes. It was beautiful. Robin Williams performing Blame Ferg.
1: We're going to go from there. But I think before we uh, continue with that, we do have some... Adenda and the Rata. I was
0: hoping we would have just one show when we didn't have to worry
1: about no, that. No, no, we got a few comments on Atari Age, and we did actually get an email. Uh, the email is from Michael D'Angelo. Uh, thank you for listening, Michael. And his message is: Hey guys, first I want to start off by saying I love your podcast. Well, our podcast loves you too. More than you would ever know. Um, really enjoy your recollection of the games and where you first discovered them. I did want to mention that I just finished listening to your Asteroids Frogger podcast, which was several episodes ago, and you mentioned that setting the 2600 version of Asteroids to the A setting would change the physics of the asteroids when hit. i never heard of this, so I tried it when I got home this evening. It turns out that the A setting does not change the physics, but actually presents the UFO and satellites. Not a big fan of Asteroids these days, but they did make a nice remake a few years back in the Xbox 360 Arcade. Same with Frogger, although I still enjoy this game, even though it frustrates me. So, take care, guys, and looking forward to future episodes. Well, that makes one of us. Um, (laughs) um, You know what? After I got this email, I I gave uh, Asteroids another shot through uh, Stella. Can you hear me, Ella? You're putting me through hell. And, uh, yeah, he was indeed right. I don't know where I got the, uh, the changing the, uh, the physics of the, uh, asteroids thing from. I must have been drinking heavily that day. Um, so, that's probably it. So, yeah, he was right. I was wrong, as I usually am. I am married, after all. So, that's that for that. Now, if I can get to some of our messages on Atari Age, once again, in the, um... Gaming Publications and web- Websites section of Atari Age. There is a Pi Factory podcast uh, thread. You can also uh, get in touch with us there. First was from the No Swear Gamer. Debatable, good show as always. Just needed more 7800. Well, uh, Phil, we're going to be getting around to that one of these days. Uh, regarding the 2600 versions of Stargate Defender 2, I've actually found that the red boxed Defender 2 is the rarer of the two. I stumbled upon a few Stargates, but have yet to find a Defender 2. Uh, Atari Age gives both a rarity 4, but based on both my experiences and how many listings you can find on eBay, I'm going to call Defender 2 a smidgen more rare than Stargate. As for snappy names for Sean Go, I'm going to submit Shawnee Badfinger. Oh, I can buy with a little help from my friends. In honor of this guy, and he presented a link to America's Got Talent, Bobby Badfinger. So, Shawnee Badfinger it is. Oh well, next next next
0: episode. episode. Today I'm McShawn.
1: McShawn, um, S fifteen hundred. We were talking about a space game that we couldn't think remember the name of on the twenty six hundred. Ah, yes. And S fifteen hundred messaged us. Is it Stellar Track, the all text game for the twenty six hundred you were thinking about? And I can confirm that. Sure, that was it. No, yes, indeed, that is the game that we were thinking of, and I could not think of it. Yes.
0: I think I have like three copies of that.
1: And, uh, Soul Blaze, you've really got three copies of Stellar Track?
0: I think so from various eBay auctions over the years.
1: Oh, send one of those my way. I don't have one of those. All right. Yeah.
0: I'll see if I, will see if I have an extra one and I'll, I'll throw it to the side for you. Yeah. And that's the thing about, like, us nerdy video game collectors. Something that I've said before in one of those, like, you know, you're a video game addict if, or a classic video game addictive. And my contribution to it was if you, Bid on a Atari 2600 lot on eBay that includes two heavy sixers, one of which may or may not work, four copies of Combat, six copies of Pac-Man, and 132 other games, four joysticks, and two sets of paddle controllers, just to get the one game <laughs> from that lot that you don't have.
1: Yes. I was that
0: person for a long time.
1: I, I would never do that. I would just get, a, like, a maybe if somebody had a lot of 10 games, I could never justify, like, buying a whole, you know, a whole mess of games that had the system and everything, mainly because I have kids. Nothing that, not that they would get into it, although I believe they would, because they, I, to them it's a treat when I actually hook up the 7800 and we go playing games on that, but I'm actually quite proud of my kids that they actually like some of those games that kind of like Adventure, which is in, as I said last episode, the killer app of the 2600, in my opinion. But continuing on, Soul Blazer left us a message. Great episode, guys. No worries that you went all 2600 on that one. That was the first console for many of us, myself included. And I'm glad one of you likes the SNES, or Sneeze, as I call it, considering I do a podcast on it. And uh, I've been listening to it, and uh, I'm up to the episode where they talked about Mr. Do. No, I'm sorry, uh, the game Camel Tree for the. Uh, It's There was a different name for it, I can't remember, but the arcade game it was based on is called Camel Tree, which is one that we gotta talk about, because that's a really, really weird game. I don't know if it falls into the time frame that we're in, though. I think it does, but...
0: If it's worth talking about, it's worth talking about.
1: That is indeed true, that is indeed true, but uh, he says here, Sears only released three exclusive games. We got two of them, and Stellar Track was the last one, so there we go. Uh, and then he's saying he, uh, he's he got the games that we're doing the next episode, but he's trying to figure out the theme. You guys promised it wouldn't be Arcane, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> seeing as we are uh, we are neutral good, uh, it probably will be Arcane. Um, wow. For, <laughs> there was an awkward D&D reference for somebody who's never played D&D. Uh, I actually asked him, did you, got, did you ever call your console the Sneeze, the Super Nintendo, the SNES? And he says... No, we called it a bunch of things. The SNES, the Super NES, the Super Nintendo, the SNES, NES, the Purple Box, but never the sneeze. Well, we always called it the sneeze. And a few people have gotten the theme, but they are not entering because they say that they don't actually need the 2600 and they want someone else to win it. But we do have a couple of entries so far, so uh, there's still plenty of time. Big money! Big
0: prizes! I
1: and we also got some Facebook feedback.
0: Um, literally 11 minutes for, ago from when we're recording this, uh, Video Gaming Rocks posted in response to our uh, announcement of Episode 2 back in May 11th. Video Gaming Rocks replied, and I quote, Nice. With a uh, face with a tongue-sticky, outy um, emoticon. So, sorry I took up so much space with that feedback, everybody. Any other a- addenda, errata?
1: No, that's all I got. You got any?
0: I don't got any. You know, do you have any news? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, we got we got one comment about like I think it was in our episode zero about how like we were chewing stuff or something and or yeah, and like I right now I am drinking some Sprecher's hard root beer because hard my wife and beer? I wanted to try some of the alcoholic root beer and so it's oh. yeah we didn't we didn't care much for the Spreckers but I figured well I'm thirsty so I'm drinking that right now so if you hear what sounds like alcoholic root beer, then yeah, that's exactly what it is. But anyway, the Kong Off 4, hosted by uh, Richie Knuckles, and uh, that happened in Pittsburgh um, earlier in the month or late last month. I don't remember which. It had to be earlier this month because I was on vacation when it happened. But the winner was um, Hank Chen. I think it's pronounced Chen, but spelled C-H-I-E-N who, according to Twin Galaxies, is currently the number two world record holder of Donkey Kong. The number one world record holder is uh, Robbie Lakeman, with a score of 1,158,400, uh, set July 3rd, the day that we were recording at Underground Retrocade, actually. Mm-hmm. Just for that, just wanted to give an update, because I was thinking, yeah, people could find that online, but thing is, I was wondering myself, who won? I didn't remember, so hey... For those of you who don't check this online, there's a service for you. So, Kong Off 4, congratulations, Hank. And, um, let's see what else. Do, there, yeah, there's some other news that I have to say. This is about a little bit arcade-related, a little bit not. Um, recently on my Pac-Maniacs blog, I'm doing a series of Pac-Man clones, basically Pac-Man games that aren't really Pac-Man. And I wrote about this, uh, deluxe pac-man as it was called that i played on amiga all the time when i had an amiga and uh, a friend of our show actually commented on it and, and uh talked about how the developer uh, edgar i don't know how his last name is pronounced i'm gonna guess Vigdal I, edgar Vigdal, i believe he's he was from sweden he mm-hmm. just he died literally the day we recorded episode zero i did not know Ooh. i was so shocked i was like oh, yeah because he wow, he did weird. two he did two fantastic games for Amiga Deluxe Pac-Man, mm-hmm. and as he pronounced it, Deluxe Galaga. And I played the heck out of those games, and they were shareware, which meant that you had to actually pay for it if you like it, and you got the mm-hmm. uh, uncrippled version. And as a poor college student, I actually saved up money to get those, and I was glad I did. Nice. And yeah, he died from cancer shortly after his father died. And yeah. he was in the middle of working. He was in the middle of updating his uh, iOS game called Warblade, mm-hmm. which is basically the iOS version of Deluxe Galaga. It is the exact same game with uh, some additional features.
1: Well, condolences out to the family. Wow, that's yeah, that's weird.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and to uh, all his fans, he's yeah, done a no lot. Kidding. He's done a lot of games. He's he's done the same. He's done that for uh, the same game for Windows, Mac, and Linux as well. And also on, uh, Windows and Mac, he was, he also did an updated version of Deluxe Pac-Man called Deluxe mm-hmm. pac um, I'll put a link to his work on the show notes.
1: Hey, it's Deluxe Pac-Man.
0: But, uh, what I have to, what I do have to say though is I was playing Warblade on my, uh, on my iPhone mm-hmm. and my score got up to five and a half billion with a B. Dang. Yeah. And it's, it's a possible game, but when I went back to resume it, it wouldn't unpause. I was like, Oh man. Cause I wanted to see how high I could get the score, see if it could go up to 10 billion, get two digit billion. I wanted to see if I could get a million coins. Uh-huh. You can't. It'll, it tops off at 999,990. I wanted to see if I could get to level a thousand, but it basically crashed before I could get to level 860, I think. Man, it was—it's a great game. Absolutely, check it out. You can get a free version of it with uh, a limited number of levels. It's definitely worth the money, if you ask me. Man, that was just—it just blindsided me. That was just uh, wow. terrible news. But yeah. And one other bit of bit of news—not so much. I don't know if you'd really call it news, but um, during our two week absence between uh, between shows, uh, my wife and I took a little trip. We went to Portland, and then we took a road trip down uh, down one hundred and one to San Francisco. But uh, while we were in Portland, I checked out a place called, co- and no David Bowie references, please, checked out a uh, place called Ground Control, that's control spelled K-O-N-T-R-O-L, which is a, it is a beercade in downtown Portland. I uh, just wanted to give a, you know, overall my rev- what I have to say about it. Um, Commencing um, countdown engines on, oh damn. Yeah, that is so getting cut out. <laughs> but, but I don't I don't know what else, what, what much to say about because I haven't really had a heck of a lot of experience with barcades, beercades, whatever you want to call them, but you know it's, it's an okay place. You know, nothing special about it. It's just a big black room with a staircase. Uh, they have a pretty good selection of pinball machines. I do believe they have your two favorites, Jim, uh, which would be what Twilight Zone and Terminator 2.
1: Yes. Oh, gosh, those bo- are great
0: pinball machines. Both, and they have something I never knew existed. They had the an arcade cabinet of Dr. Mario.
1: I knew that they had it in a, a, a PlayChoice 10 and possibly... A, did they have a Versus machine? I don't remember. It must have it I don't had know. been a Versus machine. I don't know,
0: but uh, kind of like what they do at Underground Retrocade, um, the uh, Ground Control has their Nintendo games kind of grouped together. They had a PlayChoice... They had Donkey Kong, now,
1: I'm Mario- burning my tongue every time you say the name of that place. I'm seriously bleeding in my mouth right now. Your, t-
0: your tongue is going to hurt really badly.
1: Uh... And Ground
0: Control also has Mario Brothers, and Ground Control also has uh, <coughs> Super Mario... Or not... Also has Dr. Mario.
1: Can you hear me, Major Tom? Oh, God. Oh, God.
0: Ground Control does do not it. have Donkey Kong Jr., nor does Ground Control have Donkey Kong 3. However, nor do they have... Nor does do- Nor does Ground Control have Popeye.
1: Okay, you're doing this on purpose now. (laughs) What's
0: crazy is they have two Ms. Pac-Man machines, and they're both the Turbo version. Now that's
1: weird, unless they have it set up for a contest.
0: The Pac-Man game, which was listed on Arcade.com as being a Turbo game, was not Turbo at all. I was kind of disappointed because I never played the Turbo version of Pac-Man, and I was really looking forward to that. And, but the Pac-Man and the two Ms. Pac-Man turbo machines were basically guarded the whole time I was there. I kind of had to like... Ju- I, I wasn't sure if I should do the old trick of putting the quarter on the panel, because I don't know if that still works anymore.
1: Hey, a free quarter. Thank you much, kid. Ex-
0: that's what I was afraid of, so I was like just keeping an eye out, and as soon as someone stepped like a foot away from it, I'd jump right in. And the one that I used didn't have the original controller on it. It was a, a, a white... It, it was it was a joystick with a with a larger white top on it, and it huh. was an eight way stick, so it was a pain to control. Hmm. And uh, and there the was idea. a guy next to me. I think it was almost like we were unspokenly competing against each other because we were both in the same game for like an hour, <laughs> same <laughs> game, same quarter. That uh, didn't come close to tying my record or anything. I think I only got like four hundred thousand on that. But uh, oh well. But yeah, I mean it's a, it's a nice place. Nothing earth shattering. Um, recommend checking it out uh, definitely it's basically it's it's there's no someone said there's a cover charge there i got charged nothing when i walked in the door Mm. all i had to do was pay 25 cents a game and they just take quarters pinball machines cost a little bit more though um no alcohol before five
1: usually when i walk into somewhere i get charged with disorderly conduct
0: yeah we get we we have to talk about that before we do our next uh uh, remote recording um So yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, I realize again we've we, we've been recording this for thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, almost thirty minutes, and uh, we haven't even talked about the actual content of today's episode. So unless you have nothing, no, we unless you have no news, why don't we get right into today's first game, which is going
1: to be what? Donkey Kong Junior, the sequel to Donkey Kong. Duh. Oh well, the first sequel to Donkey Kong. And the very first of the Donkey Kong series in which Mario actually makes an appearance, because he's not called Mario in Donkey Kong, as we said previously. This is the first game where it is ex- he is explicitly given the name Mario, and not just on the control panel, but actually in the game itself. Get the key and save Papa from Mario is what it is, and. Um... The backstory of actually of Donkey Kong we've touched on before makes uh, the original backstory makes Donkey or makes Mario seem like a jerk even <laughs> even though he's the hero in the original Donkey Kong. But in this one, he's even more of a jerk. And this is the only game in which Mario is actually a bad guy. No other game in the series is he specifically a bad guy, but he is in this one. The thing I like most about Donkey Kong Jr. is how they took the formula for Donkey Kong and kind of changed it enough. Uh, whereas you had platforms and ladders in Donkey Kong. In this one, you have vines and platforms. But unlike Donkey Kong, where they had more platforms and fewer ladders, this one they have more vines rather than platforms. Which uh, gives the game a different dynamic, I think. There are four screens. Uh, well, we're going to go with... the <laughs> The thing I'd hate about Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. is that there is a Different layout of the screens in the in the uh, the U.S. version versus the uh, the Japanese version. Yep. In, in the Japanese, it goes screen one, two, three, four. Okay. In the American version, it goes screen one and four. And then in the next round, it goes one, two, and four. And then in the next one, it goes one, two, three, and four. Uh, I think for reference, I'll just go with the the Japanese sequence because it makes more sense to me. The first screen is the vine screen, as they call it. You're just climbing up vines, and you just got to get all the way up to the top to get the key. Uh, when you get the key, Mario takes the cage. Donkey Kong's in and pushes him off to the side. Uh, enemies you have are what are called snap jaws. They look like bear traps with big, big blushing eyes. And uh, you can destroy them by dropping fruit on top of them. Uh, there are two different kinds of the snap jaws. One is a red one. Red one's patrol. Uh, the blue one's, when Mario releases it, it will go across the it'll go across the screen, find a vine, and go straight down, and then just go off the screen. So it doesn't patrol; it just follows gravity, and it doesn't come back up. One thing I thought was neat is there is every time Mario releases a uh, a snapjaw, there's a little animation of him releasing it. He has like a, a I don't know a chain or something that he pulls, and then the snapjaw goes off, which I thought was really kind of cute. Um, now, screen two. Once again, we are going. In the Japanese sequence, you have, again, you have to get the key, you know, uh, at the top of the screen, and then Mario will push it off. This one is called the jump board screen. There's a platform at the top and some, like, mushroom thingies at the bottom with a couple of sliding platforms. There are two ways to complete this screen. You can either go across the bottom, then uh, go across, there's a set of, uh, of, not vines, but chains. Then you got to go across there, and then go up, and then go across the next step and then go across up to the top. Uh, there are no snap jaws on this screen. Uh, there are birds that will fly down and uh, they can hit you. The number one thing you gotta watch out for on the bottom half of this screen is your navigation, your, the way you go through the, the screen, because you could accidentally fall to your doom. The reason they call this the jump board screen is there is a jump board right at the start and if you jump on it and then hit the jump button at the right point You can jump up high and then actually land on the moving platform right above. That's the shortest way to complete the screen. It's rare when I can get to do that. I usually just end up going across the bottom and working my way up. Now, the birds only patrol the top of the screen, but there's one point when they come down and officially they lay an egg and it falls down and hits a platform beneath. uh, You'll die if you get hit by the egg. I say they're taking a dump, kind of like in the game Crazy Climber. Use your imagination. Um, again, there are fruit on this screen, and you can use that to, uh, to kill off the birdies. And Once you get to the top, you get the key, Mario takes them off to the side. Now, screen three looks deceptively easy, because there's only one path you can use to complete this screen, unlike the two previous screens. And that is, it's basically kind of an S formation. You're on the bottom left, you go to the right, up, left, up, right, up, left. This has the most platforms out of any screen in the game. And um, instead of crawling up vines, you're crawling up pipes, I guess. There's only one kind of enemy on this. There's No, there, I think there's two. There's sparks, and I believe there are water droplets. Unless that's... I'm confusing that with a home version. I might be confusing that one. Oh, I believe version. you're right. Because I remember seeing them thinking about it in the Coleco Adam version, but I don't recall them off the top of my head in the arcade version, but then again, ask me how many times I've gotten to that screen without cheating.
0: How many times have you gotten to that screen without
1: cheating? Zero. Um, <laughs> so the thing is with this one, Mark... Mark. Mark is Mario's stupider half-cousin. Um, Mario is actually flipping a switch and creating these sparks that go down. Oh, it's really hard to... Dis- it's, it, the thing is is that unlike the um, the other screens where, pe- where the items are just coming down in a set pattern... These kind of have a set pattern too, but they are coming at you from all different directions. And it's, it can get really horrible. Like, some of them are moving faster than others. Like, you're about ready to jump over something, but by the time you land, because it looks safe, by the time you land, you're actually landing on another spark that you didn't see coming down the pike, so to speak. It's actually, it looks easy. It's, really, it's a really hard screen. And once again, you can actually use fruit to kill the sparks. Yes, you can use fruit to kill electricity. Remember that next time your surge protector goes out and um, you need to plug your computer into something.
0: I did that last night during the storms. It really works.
1: Yes, it does. A piece of fruit will protect you from a power surge. I learned this from Donkey Kong Jr. So, screen 4, which is the second screen in the U.S. version, (sighs) it's really, it's, you just got a bunch of chains hanging down and there's, uh, I believe, eight keys and you just got to push them all the way up and each one you push up and get into the lock a portion of Donkey Kong's cage will disappear. Once they're all disappeared, Donkey Kong and Mario fall to the bottom. Donkey Kong Jr. catches Donkey Kong, and you go off screen. Mario chases after you, and then a big foot comes off the screen, kicking Mario across the screen. Uh, I did neglect to mention that the snap jaws are back on the screen, and the birds are back on this screen. It's a different bird than is on the jump board screen. Uh, so there's actually two different kind of birds in the game. And you can kill them again, once again, using fruit. Um, the birds move into, in a basic pattern, but they turn at different times. So you got to really watch your movement because there's been many times when I've gotten clipped by a bird and, uh, that I did not see approaching from the opposite direction. And you really got to watch out on the outer chains that are hanging down because they could turn at a moment's notice. They're, they can be a little unpredictable, kind of like the, the, the what do they call them, the jacks, the jump boards, or whatever they are in uh, Donkey Kong on the elevator screen. They can be a little unpredictable about where they exactly fly. Like, they, those are unpredictable where they land in Donkey Kong. And that, in a nutshell... Help! I'm in a nutshell! How did I get into this nutshell? Look at the size of this bloody great big nutshell! What sort of shell has a nut like this? Uh, but that, in a nutshell, is the game Donkey Kong Jr. So, Sean you have anything you'd like to say? I would
0: like to say that I am totally debt-free and that uh, um, I can just retire right now. So I will. I am totally debt-free, so I can just retire now. I'm lying, though. Liar. I'm so lying. Liar. But yeah, uh, something I just want to add to that. One thing I didn't hear you mention Oops. is um, some of the game mechanics here. If you, um, as Donkey Kong Jr., are going up a line or a chain or whatever have you... Oh, yes. If you're grabbing just one thing on your way up, you're going to go pretty slowly. If you're traveling down a single vine or a single chain or a single whatever, you'll go fast. However, if you are holding two vines or chains or whatever at the same time, you're going to go up fast and down at a fairly, eh, I wouldn't say slow speed, but uh, not quite as as fast as if you were going up. So that kind
1: of adds to the strategy. If you grab two vines, you'll go up faster than a ten-pack of white castles on a night of drunken revelry. And my thoughts on Donkey Kong
0: Jr. are that, well, first of all, something that I wanted to mention... I believe I heard this on No Quarter, um, I hope they come back someday, but when No Quarter covered Donkey Kong Jr., I believe um, Carrington and Mike had said, or one of the two of them had said that the game was developed from scratch, they had no access to the Donkey Kong source code. Which kind of makes me say, hmm, because in my opinion, Donkey Kong Jr. is basically just Donkey Kong reworked.
1: It really is. Well, I mean, it's a similar formula, but they tweaked it enough. Um, they, they they based it more on vertical movement than horizontal, uh, like Donkey Kong is. Exactly. They rotated it. They, they basically rotated it, and um, I, I think there was enough tweaks on it to make it, a, in my opinion, a more enjoyable game, albeit one that I still suck at, but I don't suck as bad at it as I did do with Donkey Kong. One thing we don't ever talk about on this on this show is scoring, mainly because I keep forgetting what the scores are, and this is no different, so why the hell am I mentioning it now? But there was one thing I always found interesting. On the uh, opening animation screen, where they show Mario raising Donkey Kong to the top, when Donkey Kong gets to the top, and Mario pushes him to the side, you know, before you start the first screen, first of all, there are two Marios pushing Donkey Kong. And the one on the left isn't even pushing against the cage. He's pushing on some yeah. invisible thing to, the, to his left while the other Mario is left to do all the work. So why have a second Mario? I always thought that was Luigi. Well, Luigi's green. I know, but... I think there must be an evil, an evil factory of Mario clones somewhere.
0: No, I mean, they could be both wearing the same color scheme. They might be on the same job and they have to wear a uniform. Really, this is basically just, at least for, at least the Vine screen and the, oh, what do you call those things? I, I suddenly forgot the, the thing where you push the things up to the top. The keys. What,
1: what, what do we call that screen again? I don't know. I don't think we gave it a name. Let's just call it the key, the, it's the fourth stage in the cycle. Kind of like we had the rivet screen. Let's call it the keys let's call it the key screen. I mean, there's keys on all of them, but there's more keys on this screen. So let's call it that. Oh, and um, the uh, the one where you're crawling up the pipes and uh, Mario is releasing the sparks—that's actually called Mario's Hideout. And there's actually yep. an animation before that screen with uh, Donkey Kong, <laughs> Donkey Kong Jr. I mean, who is floating across, uh, holding an umbrella, and it says "Advance to Mario's Hideout."
0: But just hear me out with this, though. Donkey Kong starts out, you know, with a cheap, if not free, piece of music. With an opening animation, mm-hmm. Donkey Kong Jr. starts out with a free piece of music and an opening animation. In the vine screen in Donkey Kong Jr., you're basically trying to get as far to the top and as close to the, to the entity you are supposed to rescue. And once you get to that entity, the antagonist takes that entity away off the screen, mm-hmm. just like in Donkey Kong. The red snap jaws are the barrels. The blue snap jaws are the fireballs because they can move wherever they
1: want. I think you got that reversed because the fireballs can travel up and down, whereas the barrels can only roll off. So the blue snap jaws would be the barrels and the red ones would be closer, more analogous to the red snap jaws. The fireballs are more analogous to the red snap jaws.
0: So that's the same thing right there. In the United States, the next screen with all the blue on it, uh, gee both Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. have a blue theme going on with it, and you end up rescuing the entity you are supposed to rescue if you Mm -hmm. successfully complete the level. In Donkey Kong Jr., once again, you have the Snap Jaws acting as the Fox Fires, and the Fruit are the equivalent of the Donkey Kong Hammers.
1: Yeah, that's true. Their utility is a, is a lot different, though, because unlike a hammer, you basically have control over it. When In Junior, if you touch a fruit, it falls straight down. You don't have control. It just does what it does. It's, That's true.
0: And even if the fruit doesn't hit its target, you still get some points for it.
1: That is true. You don't get points just for picking up the hammer in Donkey Kong. So there is that.
0: On the key screen in Donkey Kong Jr., you push all the keys up to the top... You loosen Donkey Kong, who pretty much falls down to the bottom to escape. Mm -hmm. In Donkey Kong, you clear all the rivets that basically makes
1: Donkey Kong fall to the bottom of the screen.
0: Donkey Kong fall to the bottom of the screen so you can rescue Pauline and escape. Aha. The jump board screen. The jump board is that thing that's being hurled. It's, that's basically coming off the screen in the elevator screen in Donkey Kong. Mm hmm.
1: I mean, it is the same device.
0: It pretty much is. And I and to be honest with you, I cannot see a similarity between Mario's Hideout and the Pie Factory, because those two things I cannot draw a parallel to at all.
1: Um. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you. I can't really see a, a parallel there either.
0: It seems to me that Mario's Hideout, completely brand new original.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I... I, I it's, it's, it's not a Mario Brothers slash Joust thing because Ma- Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. are both Nintendo games. And yeah, the screens are analogous. I mean, they have a formula and they're gonna, they, they're gonna stick to it while making enough changes to keep it fresh, which I think they successfully did. I think they actually make Do- Donkey Kong Jr., in my opinion, is, is a more accessible game than Donkey Kong is. Yeah. I mean, I think Donkey Kong Jr. is a more colorful game than Donkey Kong especially that first screen it uses the same sound processor i guess i I don't remember if it's discrete circuit or what it is doesn't it doesn't matter and i always liked those arcade cabinets that had those nice deep tones like donkey kong and donkey kong jr did i thought it interesting i liked how the tables were turned in this one where the bad guy is now the good guy and vice versa of course, I already mentioned about how this is the first. This is the very first video game Mario was introduced in. It wasn't Donkey Kong. He was called Jumpman in that one, as we said previously. It's Donkey Kong Jr., and he was the bad guy in this one. I think overall, it's a much, much better game. I would, I would say it's, 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 it's like Ms. Pac-Man was to Pac-Man, and uh, it's, the, it's analogous with it being in the same thing with with Donkey Kong. I mean, they added enough to the for they kept the formula similar, but they added enough to keep it fresh. Ms. Pac-Man, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey Kong.
0: To me, Donkey Kong Jr. is the exciting new Pac-Man Plus to Donkey Kong.
1: Well, the only reason I don't say that is because... Well, then again, Ms. Pac-Man is technically a hack of Pac-Man, though. But you were saying they don't it have is. the code. No, I, I totally disagree because the screens are... I mean, they're similar, but they're a lot of changes to keep them well, from being exactly yeah. the same. All right, I'll put it to you this way.
0: Donkey Kong is Super Pac-Man. Donkey Kong Jr. is pac and pal
1: mm, I'd have to think about that. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because <laughs> I like Super Pac-Man better than I like pac and pal and, Oh, uh, me too. And I think Donkey Kong Jr. is the superior game to Donkey Kong. And I'm not just saying that because I can actually get past two screens and score higher on it, although oh, that man. has influenced my decision uh, a bit.
0: Yeah, let me tell you, when I was playing this game for prep for the show... I set mame for seven lives, which mm-hmm. is the highest you can set it to, because I cannot get past the jump board screen.
1: Oh, I couldn't even get to it.
0: I mean, you can kind of fig- you can kind of see where the patterns happen on the uh, the key screen. You can kind of figure it out after a while. It's, yeah, I don't know if it's the same every game, but at least you can see what pattern each bird is about to take, mm-hmm. and you can kind of time your game thusly. But man, that springboard—it is such a touchy screen.
1: The thing I hate about that screen, and, and it is and it is easier than the Mario's hideout screen. The thing I hate oh, yeah. about it is at the very top, where uh, where chains are coming down, which is the, where you gotta kind of maneuver around the birds as they come down. You have very little room to maneuver there. To do that section, you gotta wait until there's a bird that's basically. Hugging the platform way at the top of those chains, and you get to get all the way to the right where you got the longest chain and slide down a bit because they, the birds don't go down all the way, but then you got to watch out because when you slide down too fast, uh, you will fall to your doom and that's uh, that's easy to do even on the first screen of the game.
0: I've met many a third and final death at the Kroger and Bourbon A by falling too far. Yes. I have no idea what my best score is on this game. I think I mentioned, I don't remember if we were recording yet, but I had said my score is irrelevant, and that's because I had to basically jack up the number of lives in uh, in MAME in order to to get anywhere far in this game. I did manage to get to Mario's Hideout, didn't get much further than that, though.
1: I never even got that far. Now, you were playing the U.S. version? It was the U.S. version, yes. I was playing the U.S. version. I got to the second Vine screen, the second screen one, so to speak. I scored 15,400. I suck at this game. Yeah,
0: I suck at it too. And, oh, I love this. I remember this very well. My my highest recorded official Donkey Kong Jr. score as performed at Underground Retrocade was 23,100. Oh, nice. 23, and I remember that because that was literally the, just minutes after Scott Lambert had the thing delivered and plugged in. Oh, not very nice. It came right in and I wanted to get my name on a high score card on top of that game. So <laughs> I, I was like the third person to play it. And I said, Scott, here's my high score. Look, come, come, come officiate this. And I don't, I don't think he was too thrilled to officiate because he knew what I was doing. I don't think <laughs> he was too thrilled with that. <laughs> Cause he's like, dude, I, I know he was thinking, dude, in five minutes, someone's going to take that down, but you know, just to humor you. <laughs>
1: So, I'm so, wondering uh here if perhaps we should talk about the uh, home versions of this game.
0: Well, let's talk about the home versions after we talk a little bit more about the arcade version. Did oh. you know about the cheat in the arcade version?
1: No, I did not.
0: It was um it's very similar to the bug you found in the Atari 2600 version by the way i apologize to whoever's going to win our prize package because it does come with the atari version of donkey kong jr but um this i don't remember if i read this i think i read this in joystick magazine because it did talk about the number of quarters you have to use what you do is you start a two-player game and i think what you do is when you get to the second player you move Donkey Kong Jr. to the tree stump, or whatever that thing is, all the way to the right of the screen. And then you move Donkey Kong Jr. to the left edge of it, and I think he has to be in a sitting position. Mm-hmm. And what you gotta do is, when a blue snapjaw comes down the vine and ends up going all the way to the bottom, you have to jump off that platform and land at the bottom the exact second that the snap jaw also lands there. Uh And what that does, it basically... I think what it does is it resets the life counter. It resets the lives counter for player one. Interesting. If you're playing by the game, you have to sacrifice an extra quarter, but for that, you can play a lot longer. I have never tried this, and I'm not about to try it, because I... Well, I'll talk about my thoughts a little bit later. But anyway.
1: It's, uh, It's interesting, because I think what happens... There's a a well-known bug with uh, Sinistar, which I don't think we've mentioned, talked about Sinistar yet, where if you get shot and chewed by the Sinistar at the same time, what happens is that you lose two lives. And if you're on your last life, okay, the the life counter set at 1, then it goes to 0, and then because you're getting killed a second time at the same time, it resets it to negative 1, which the computer interprets as 255. Ah, so it's an unsigned integer. Yes, I think that might be the same, uh, the same sort of um, bug. I, I'm wondering how many kinds of bugs like that there are in, uh, especially in the earlier arcade games. I think they were on the lookout for that thing in the kind of the second generation of the golden era, so to speak. Sure. The later games in the golden era. I think the
0: general philosophy is it's usually after the 255th something.
1: Yeah, 255. It's a magic number. So um yeah, it uh, it creates all sorts of problems if you reach 255 of anything in in the old 8-bit era of video games, which these are.
0: So why don't we talk about the home versions?
1: Well, why don't we? There's um, what what more do we need to say systems. about the
0: 2600 version other than that it sucks?
1: Well, you know what? I've been thinking about that. Well, but first, but first let's let's just recap briefly some of the consoles. Obviously, the NES. Um, The Atari 7800, Atari actually had a version of it for that, which is weird that Atari put it out for the 7800, whereas Coleco put it out for the 2600. Uh, I don't know what the licensing issue was there. Um, And uh, the 7800 version was good, but the music sucked because the 7800 uses the TIA sound chip, which is what the uh, 2600 uses.
0: Oh, and speaking of music, well, we talked about how They did not have the source code for Donkey Kong to work off of for this game. They did have the same music composer. Aha! Uh, The uh, Yukio Kaneoka composed the music for both Donkey Kong Jr. and Donkey Kong. So, if you like the... uh, ...from the Pie Factory screen, you can thank uh, Yukio Kaneoka.
1: kind of the same thing. So we got, uh, it was also, Atari released it on the 8-bit computer. Uh, ColecoVision, it was on there, the Adam. and I believe we've brought up in a previous episode the fifth screen that Coleco added, Mario's Kitchen. I think we should probably post the, the YouTube link again in the show notes, seeing as it's actually pretty relevant with this one. Uh, the Intellivision, which I did sure. not know it was on the Intellivision. Figure that one out. Uh, BBC Micro, that's the UK. Um, there were two Game & Watch versions of it. Oh, yes, and, um, the NES version is also pl- uh, playable in the GameCube game Animal Crossing. You just had, have... I, I used to love that game, um, on the, uh, on the GameCube Animal Crossing. It was really kind of a pointless game. It was kind of like, uh, the game The Sims, except, you know, sort of like kittyized, if you will, made more for kids. Uh, the thing that was awesome is it came with a, um, a memory card, and the memory card had Donkey Kong preloaded on it and one of the first things you do is you enter your birthday, and when your birthday rolls around, you get a free NES game, and uh, (laughs) you could uh, put all of these Nintendo Entertainment Systems in your house, and each one of them would have a different game on them. The uh, interesting side note, somebody looked at the code of Animal Crossing, and um, the games that were available were like Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey Kong Jr. Math, Excite Bike. I think Wario's Woods was one of them, And there were two others on there, Legend of Zelda and Punch-Out! But there was no known way of getting those games. Uh, Legend of Zelda or Punch-Out! But they are in the code. Uh, Someone actually did find a hack to release Punch-Out! I believe it was. uh, But you still cannot get Legend of Zelda on Animal Crossing on the GameCube. Which I always thought was uh, kind of interesting. And you know, let's let's talk a little bit about the 2600 version. Very little. Yes, it's bad. It's it's a horrible. It's probably the worst arcade translation on the 2600. But that having been said, I play it all the time. <laughs> I mean, and it's a bad game, and if it's missing a lot of the components. Uh, the the enemy sprites are are dumb. There's no difference between them. The birds don't look like birds. They look like big globs. The fruit are totally missing. Uh, I will give him credit for having three screens in the game and I believe it was actually programmed by one of the um one of the uh, Activision's programmers actually um, on contract I can't remember who it was and and it was riddled with bugs especially one really bad one which once again'll we'll we put a link in the show notes to the uh, to the bug uh, which I discovered by the way and digital press gave me credit for it uh, 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 eat your heart out but um it's a bad game in the same way that Plan 9 from outer Space is a bad movie. I mean, it's bad, but it's it's one of those enjoyable, bad experiences like Plan 9 from outer space. And that's where you and
0: I don't see eye to eye.
1: It, I mean it, it is far it, it is far from the worst game on the 2600. Uh, Frogo games take that easily. If you want a bad, bad game, uh, go look, search out Frogos Karate. That game is horrible. And Donkey Kong Jr. is a horrible game, but it's a horrible fun game. It's one of those that's so bad, it's good games to me, personally. And I get, I, I have I get a perverse sense of enjoyment out of it. Like, many people get a perverse sense of enjoyment out of watching Manos, the Hands of Fate, without the Mystery Science Theater treatment. I'm that same way with the 2600 Donkey Kong Jr.
0: And by the way, folks. Alright, this is this is where Mr. Literal, Mr. Technical comes into play here. When people make references to Manos, the Hands of Fate, ladies and gentlemen, there is no colon in the name of the movie. It is Manos. It, the, Manos is in quotation marks.
1: That is true. The
0: Hands of Fate. where There's no other punctuation. And if
1: we're going to get literal again, the actual translation of the film is Hands, the Hands of Fate. That's right. Yes. Anyway. That's coming out on Blu-ray.
0: Can you believe that?
1: I know. <laughs> that, <laughs> that,
0: that is the that only is movie
1: that ever gave me a nightmare. Honest to God. That is just a bad movie. I, I think Crow T. Robot summed it up best on the Mystery Science Theater version of that movie. Oh no, the man sent us a snuff film. <laughs> the, movie has, the movie's the movie got that feel. Or as uh, I believe Joel said, maybe it was a different movie. But I could have sworn they said everyone in this movie is like their last known photograph. But I get a perverse enjoyment out of Donkey Kong Jr. And I will play it from time to time. Mostly just to see if I can remember how to get the infinite lives through the, uh, the bug that I found. I remember I used to know how to do it all, every, every time. And triggering the bug is very easy. But it's getting the unlimited lives thing. And I think it might not work on the 7800. I think you have to actually play it on the 2600 hardware to get the unlimited lives on it. But I don't have a actual 2600 anymore. But hey, the winner of the contest uh, might get to check out the bug and do it for themselves. And it's really easy to recreate the bug. So um, that's about all I have to say. Do you have any anything else to add? Yeah,
0: we should talk about the scores. And, oh, and yes, the world stuff. records. Again, yes. I, I have no idea what my score was other than what I said before. If we go over to Twin Galaxies. Da, da, da. Now, this is where things get fun. Twin Galaxies has two different tracks for this. One that's just the standard track on which Mark L. Keel, um, holds the world record, uh, set June 13th, 2013. And then there's also a, what they call the no fruit challenge. Which I Mm -hmm. guess is the equivalent to, say, the Donkey Kong variation that doesn't have any hammers. But, uh, they actually don't have any scores listed for that now that I see that. So, uh, going over to Orcade.com. Now, this is interesting because they list two separate tracks as well. Mike Casper, K A S -S P E R, at the Kencade scored 1,289,200. On March 31st, 2013, my question is, how? <laughs> now, this is the interesting thing. The other track that Arcade.com lists is points lowest. Low. I don't understand how that's possible. I didn't see that in any of the research I did for this. How to get a... Anyway, but uh, uh, it looks like a gentleman named Keith Apicary on December 21st, 2010, scored negative 400 At the fun spot. How do
1: they do that? That's what I'm wondering. I don't know. How do you... Unless they rolled the game and then it started negative after they reached a certain spot, but I don't... How do you do that? I don't know. I really
0: don't know. And you thought Sorry Charlie was the only game where you could get a negative score. Ha! How? I... I I don't know. I I don't know.
1: I'm not going to sleep tonight now.
0: I'm not going to sleep, damn it, until I figure out how to get the crappiest possible <laughs> score.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, the joke about Jeopardy. And that brings your score down to a negative 1500. Uh, we accept check, MasterCard, and Visa.
0: But uh, anyway, how many continues would you rate Donkey Kong Jr.?
1: Well, I like it better than Donkey Kong. So I'd have to rate it a four continues.
0: I'm going to give it a three for two okay. reasons. Two reasons. Number one, I mean, I agree with you that graphically it's a it's a much improved game over Donkey Kong, but I can't get past how it's basically just, to me at least, so much of this game is Donkey Kong with a facelift.
1: Mm-hmm. As I said, you can make that same argument with Ms. Pac-Man, though.
0: That well, that's well known that that's exactly what that is. But also, the thing is, because this, I mean, normally I don't ding a game for being difficult but this is just ridiculously difficult i don't know how these people are getting millions of points or million points in these games but man when you make it so freaking hard i mean there are some games that are so freaking hard that i want to go back and try again because it's like i think i can figure it out Mm -hmm. this one i die and i'm like you know what i'm not gonna waste my time on this you know what? It just doesn't entice me as much. I'm
1: rethinking my my uh, my score. I think I'm going to give it a three. I like it better than Donkey Kong, but yeah, I think it's way too hard. Uh, I think that the the difficulty just ramps up way too fast on this. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna rate it a three. I changed my yeah. mind. I, I'm oh, rating please. it what I rated Donkey Kong. I believe.
0: So, I guess we both agree on three continues on this. Uh, Have you anything to add to our discussion of uh, Donkey Kong
1: Jr.? I do not, actually. Um, I do have a couple of integers to add.
0: All right, great. So, you have added the integers. So, uh, shall we talk about um, our next game?
1: I think we should talk about our next game, seeing as the game is indeed next. Okay, so what game are we going to talk about, then, here on
0: the Pie Factory podcast?
1: one of my other all-time favorite top 10 maybe even top 5 games gyrus yay gyrus it's um quite an interesting game it's uh, galaga in the round so to speak people call it a, a combination of galaga and tempest i think it's a lot closer to galaga than it is tempest the only thing it shares All right with you're tempest. getting
0: revenge on me
1: aren't you for the for the for the david bowie thing <laughs> um the only thing it shares with Tempest is it's a tube. And even in Tempest, not everything's a tube. It's, it's a series of tubes. Not everything can you go all the way around. Where in Gyrus, you can go all the way around. And it's, it's, other than that, it's basically the same game as Galaga. Um, you've got formations of, I'm, sa- I'm pronouncing it correctly, dude. Everyone that pronounces it Galaga is pronouncing it wrong. Sorry. I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. Case closed. So, we live in the Milky Way galaxy? Um, uh, the original game in the series is Galaxian, not Galaxian. So, I rest my case. So. But it's not Galaxian. It's, it's not, it's Galaxian, like it's the sequel's Galaga. Anyway. But. Why wouldn't it be Galaga? Shut up. Um, but they, it's basically the same game, it's just in the round. You have the, uh, the enemies flying down in formation trying to get to you. Or And then they f- fly down into their formation in the middle of the screen, whereas in the other game, you know, they form in the formation at the top. Then you have every so many rounds, every third round is a bonus round where you get the enemies don't shoot at you and you can, you know, wipe everything out. And if you get them all, you get a, a hefty bonus score. There's a mechanic where you can get double shots like in the other game. Happy. <laughs> and, uh but there's more, so much more to this game than... Galax or Galaga has ah! the, to make it its own unique experience. First of all, the one the only thing I really don't like about this machine is why it well, you know what? The, the the plot of the game is you're in a ship and you're trying to get back to Earth. And it's so many um it's so many warps, you know, to get to the next planet. You start out at Pluto, I think, but you they don't say Pluto. It's like three warps to Neptune. And then it's three warps to Uranus. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. First stop: the planet Mars. Take me to Uranus. Mars, the brightest star in our galaxy. Hey, let's probe Uranus. Patience, <laughs> space traveler. We'll visit all the planets. What are you ashamed of, Uranus? And then three warps to Saturn, three warps to Jupiter until you get to Earth. And every time you reach the planet, there's a bonus round. And after all of the uh, the ships, the enemy ships have assembled in the middle of the screen, uh, eventually there will come out three satellites. If you I have just regular firepower, the middle of the three satellites will be like a like a, a, a sphere of some sort, like an orange an orange ball. And if you shoot that, you get double shots. And then the other two kind of like look, I don't know, they got like three points. They kind of almost look like a, a Bosconian ship in a way, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the game Bosconian. And they keep rotating and they keep, They they kind of move erratically, so it's a little not as easy to get. If you have the double shot when those come out, then the middle one is just like the other two satellites. Uh, You have asteroids that come out. uh, You cannot destroy them, but interestingly, you get points for shooting them, which I thought was very interesting. You'll also get these laser gates that come out. Um, There are two laser generators, and there's a laser going between them. If you knock one of them out, if you shoot one of them out, then the laser stops. But you will get destroyed if you hit an enemy, an enemy shot... Uh, the satellites, the asteroids, the laser, the laser generators. I mean, pretty much everything's deadly. <laughs> if you hit anything in this game, you're dead. Uh, that's just all there is to it. Everything's deadly. And I think they got the formula right for this, because they took a game that was already well-established, and they just made it into, and they made it circular, and that added just so many options. Because the thing I hate about uh, Galaga, Galaxia, and Space Invaders, any of those games, Gorf, is that you, you can get trapped at the side of the screen. You know, if somebody's dive-bombing you or a bullet happens that way, you're dead. Where with this game, you always can escape to the left or the right. There is no corner you can get trapped in. And that adds a new dimension of play. It gives you more options uh, for your strategies. And the action is fast and furious in this game. And there's it's the thing that makes it the best. And if you cannot play this game without having the sound turned on, it has amazing music, and the music is an integral part of this game because it's it's a piece by Bach, I believe it is, and it's kind of done up in a more a more techno way. It's a lot faster than a than the original piece, but you can tell it's the original piece if you've ever heard it. And it just integrates with the game so perfectly. Um, there's several themes that it goes, that it uses, uh, several classical themes that it uses. And the thing I thought most was best about this is that the sound effects in the game are so perfectly in, uh, not in tune, not in sync, they're so perfectly meshed with the music that You can hear the sound effects, but they don't interfere with the music. If you know, if you can, if you understand what, if you can understand what I'm saying, it's it's not like in some games in the in the olden times where you know the music would stop for a sound effect or whatever. Especially on the home consoles, Uh, some older arcade games did that, but they're synced properly. The music and the sound effects are in harmony. The first ten times I played this machine, I didn't realize. That your spaceship, that you, that your control, actually makes a sound every time you shoot. But now that I've heard it, I can hear it every time. It's just a real, real low sound. Boom, 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 boom. Just something like that. But it it doesn't, When you, even when you notice it, it doesn't detract from the music. The sounds of the enemy ships exploding and everything. I mean, this game is really a musical tour de force. And I think that's one of the reasons I keep coming back to that, coming back to this game. It is literally one of my all-time favorites because it's got, I think, the perfect mix of action, graphics, and sound. I mean, it's just like the complete arcade package. And there's no tricks, just simple, easy pickup gameplay, no way-out strategies, no... I mean, it's one of those easy-to-learn, hard-to-master type games that's the really, sadly, missing... Nowadays, um, nowadays you buy the uh, the survival guides or whatever. This is a, just a pick up and play type game, but it get, hits all the right notes, all the right, you know. What do they call them? Tropes. You know, it's 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 really close to a perfect game in my opinion.
0: It makes me cringe hearing you talk about the music. You know why? Why is that? Because when I was playing this in Mame, I was usually like, I, I didn't have much time to myself. So, I turned the sound on my computer oh. down. So, I didn't hear any Ooh. of it. So, it's like, oh, man, I'm hearing this. And and truth be told, I did, I've i never really played this game that much in the arcade. In fact, I just looked at arcade.com right now to see if I had any scores listed for it. I don't. I don't.
1: You? I can't believe you didn't play it when we were at Underground Retrocade. I did not. I did not. And what was your score again? 104,250.
0: Yeah, I tried so hard. To just match that score, and I can only get to 66,640, but...
1: I got close the other night, but... And I was using
0: a keyboard,
1: too. Something I was going to bring up with the... uh, I I may have brought this up before, but you really got to get in the arcade and play these games because these, the arcade games were made with a specific type of control in mind. Using a keyboard or a gamepad or whatever on your computer is just not the same as as actually using the arcade controls. And I think that has a lot to do with why I can't score as high on Gyrus at home as I can in the arcade. Why I can't score as good as I can in the arcade as many games as I can at home.
0: Well, the arcade version has a joystick, which is you know pretty basic,
1: which, as I said, that's weird. You think you figure a game like this would have a dial or something.
0: but I thought that for sure in fact, I remember. When, I, th- I think it was a couple of years ago when we were at galloping ghost I was like man I don't like this what they did it with this gyrus machine it's got a joystick on it you said it's supposed to I was like really no.
1: I always yeah. thought it was a spinner game no it isn't and the uh and it's weird because the uh, the joystick once you get the hang of it it actually works well and gives you very good control it works kind of it's if you push to the left it'll go all the way to the left depending from where you are on the screen if you push down you know, it, it, once you get the hang of it, it works really well. Oh, I kind sure. of use it, I kind of control it like a spinner, if you will. There was an arcade game, it was an Atari arcade game, it was a skateboarding game, it was called 720, which I had a joystick yes. which actually spun. And I kind of used the gyrus joystick like that, and it works quite well. And it, it, yeah, I agree, it is kind of weird that it uses a joystick, but it's, it works well. It works well with that control. Oh, get up.
0: And there's one thing about gyrus that really kind of irks me. It's that you don't die right away when you hit something. Like, your ship stays intact, but then a second later, it's like a delayed reaction. So, yeah. at first, it's like, oh, man, I thought I, I thought I was dead there. I was like, whoa, damn, I was dead. And, it's,
1: yeah, and that I'll, I'll gets that. me so off.
0: I was like, you know,"
1: You know, and just the other night, in fact, last night, um, I uh, I turned on the cheats for uh, Gyrus and Mame, because I wanted to see what happens when you reach Earth, thinking that there's got to be some sort of like, I mean, I knew it was going to start again from uh, from Pluto, but I was wondering if there was like some effect of it warping you back to Pluto, or if there was a congratulations screen or whatever. Uh, I knew it was going to have a bonus round. It did the bonus round, but then it just said three warps to Neptune after that. There was like no congratulations, no nothing, and the ending was kind of a letdown. I had never seen that before. I'd feel a little ripped, <laughs> ripped off about that because it did. Weave an interesting story about a you know a, a a spaceship lost in space, just trying to get home, and it's in the home stretch. And you would figure once you reached Earth, your home planet, that you know there would be something there. But uh, that was a bit of a letdown. But it, since I've never reached that without cheating, it doesn't detract from my enjoyment of the game. That's about that's about all I need to say about that.
0: How about home uh,
1: versions? We
0: know there's an Atari 2600 version because hey, that's in the prize package.
1: And you know what? Surprisingly. I was When I first played the home version for the 2600, I was not all that fussed about it. But then I was playing it again the other night on uh, the Stella emulator, and I had a good time. The only real difference between the arcade version and the 2600 version... I mean, the 2600 version has the music and everything. The main difference is that when all of the uh, ships are assembled in the center in the arcade, you can still shoot and destroy them. You don't, you can't do that on the 2600 version. You can only shoot oh. them when they come, like, dive-bombing toward you. Really? Yeah. That kind of is a letdown, but it's not a bad version. Um, I've played the ColecoVision version. I don't remember a lot about it. I remember it was pretty good. Uh, I did play the Atari 8-bit version of it, and um, I, uh, I really enjoyed the Atari 8-bit version of it. I thought that was really well done. And uh, with, once again, the Pokey sound chip in the Atari 8-bit computer, it was very... Uh, very very musical and uh, the eight bits've always had very good music and uh, you know scenes the 8-bit and the 5200 are basically the same you know what I kind of wonder how it works on the 5200 with the uh, analog control oh yeah I bet it works pretty well with that you think that kind out. of yeah you'd think that kind of game would uh, would work really well with something like that yeah I have to I have to pick up a copy of that and but uh, I I really enjoy it It's uh, it was ported to the 2600, 5200, 8-bit Commodore 64 ColecoVision. There was a version of it for the NES, and I was reading this earlier today, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, The NES version has, there's a lot of, there's some differences. It's uh, the updated graphics. uh, The music from the arcade was slightly remixed. Um, the The game starts off at three warps to Neptune instead of two warps. Oh, I didn't realize that in the arcade. I have to check that. Uh, it has additional weapons, like a super phaser attack and other other things. Other additional enemies and boss fights, which I think... Add, redoing a classic game and adding boss fights, I think, kind of cheapens it, in my yeah, opinion. Totally agree. See, bonus stages after each boss is defeated uh, to gain additional power-ups. Now, I think I kind of like that idea of successfully completing a bonus stage to gain a power-up. There's a definite ending to the game, which I, I think... Which is what I... The arcade version misses in my thing. Uh, however, it says, It's a brief text about, the univer- text about the universe being at peace. In the Famicom Disk version, which is the Japanese version of the NES, there's a full ending sequence with credits. Uh, in addition to the satellites providing usual double guns and bonus points, they can also provide extra phasers, a smart bomb, and even an extra life. I, I kind of like the extra life uh, life thing. I think that's kind of cool. Instead of the arcade's looping 24 stages, there are 39 looping. In the arcade, the player starts from Neptune. Oh, I thought you started from Pluto. Uh, and you proceed to Earth. On the NES version, the player travels through the entire solar system, including the Sun and Pluto. And uh, you can enter the Konami code on it, but with a twist, you must enter it backwards. Everybody who knows the NES knows the Konami code. is up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. In this one, it's A, B, A, B, right, left, right, left, down, down, up, up, start. Oh, yeah, it was published by Ultra Games, but Ultra Games was a subsidiary of Konami for some reason. And this was interesting. We were mentioning a while back about the uh, workings of Konami Centuri. I was thinking Phoenix was a Konami Centuri game where it was created by one and distributed by the other. Uh, Gyrus was the same way, actually. It was developed by Konami, but it was published by Konami Centuri. So I thought that was interesting. And, um, oh, yeah, there was, I, there was also a version of it on, um, but, 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 but Konami Collector Series Arcade Advanced on the Game Boy Advance and in addition to the uh, the regular game, they actually also have some power-ups including a few black hole stages where you could actually earn some power-ups and uh, I really really enjoyed the uh, uh, if you have a Game Boy Advance or one of the early Nintendo DS uh, game systems, pick up this Konami Arcade Advance. Um, it's got six classic Konami Arcade games including, and this is a really good collection, the weakest one is YR Kung Fu. I hate those kind of games, but it's got Russian Attack, Scramble, Frogger, Gyrus, and Time Pilot. And I really, I was never a huge fan of Time Pilot until I got the, uh, the Game Boy Advance, uh, the Konami Collector's Arcade Advance thing here. I really started getting into Time Pilot there. If you do the Konami code on any of these games, that opens up a whole new uh, mode for the game, including Frogger. So, uh, it's a uh, if you have a Game Boy Advance, or as I said, the the early version of the Nintendo DS, pick this up. Try to find this one. It's well worth every dollar you spend for it. So uh, that's about all I have to say about Gyrus. I'm going to repeat my score again: 104,250. And I'm going to keep repeating that because I think that's the single best score I've ever gotten on uh, on the game. And 66,640. There you go. <laughs> And I think it really, up until up until we went to Underground Retrocade, I think the highest I ever scored on it was like 96,000, so that was kind of nice for me to score another 10,000 points. Well, no, not really 10,000. Let's say 8,000. There you are. There I am. So what about... Uh, what about... Um, what about the boy? Let's hear it for the boy. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about scores. Now if we Yay. go to
0: arcade.com, they have four tracks listed. Two of them are um, points tracks, and what's interesting is... Actually, three of them are simply points tracks, and I'm they, looking at the... They better
1: hide those tracks, otherwise the police will be coming and knocking. <laughs> let's see, there's well, one... Well, you see it all... No, I'm sorry.
0: Let's see, there's one There's one track that just says points, and it has a picture of, a, of an arcade cabinet next to it, uh-huh. and it says... Uh, Steve Kyriakides, I believe it's pronounced. Looks, uh, very Greek to me, literally. 6,369,150. That's, uh, just barely edging out your score, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was performed at Fun Spot, May 29th, 2000. Now, here's what's interesting. Performed at a place called Retroids. And I don't know what this is because there's, uh, there's a, uh, there's a... a mis- I hear
1: Preparation H is good for Retroids.
0: There's a, there's a missing I, there, there's a blank icon here. It's like they're missing it. They're, 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 like there's, a, there's an actual flaw in the web design here. Actually, you know what? Let me use my... I
1: ain't missing it at all. Gosh, I am see. full of song references tonight.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the file name that's supposed to have it, and it doesn't tell me anything. But this is a very familiar-looking name to me. It's. I'm guessing it's a, it's a home version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, performed August 18th, 2013, 112,100. Now, the reason I'm guessing that this is a home version is because the name of the scorer, the holder of this record, Christian Kielbach, or Kielbach, I never knew how to say his name, aka Kielbaka on Atari Age.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's he's cool. Yeah, he's, he's a- a cool. Ca- he's a cool, he has one cool cat. Yes, meat, he and is. And I mean that.
0: And this is interesting because there, there's also a track where it says that just says points, no scores posted. Be the first. And next to that is an icon that looks like an Atari Twenty Six Hundred Junior. And then there's another one where it says points performed at retroids, where there's an NES in the icon. Three hundred and twelve thousand five hundred scored by Jerry Owens, August twenty fifth, two thousand thirteen. A I- week after Cal Baca.
1: I did not know Arcade had home, uh, I'm, that's tracks. what I'm
0: guessing this means. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. I clicked on. Yeah. It's actually a link. Oh, let's see what, uh.
1: We'll have to get something going over at Underground oh. Retrocade.
0: Oh, oh, okay. It looks like, uh, Kilbaka's score was on an Xbox 360. That's what that uh-huh. was. Okay. And the, uh, other one that says points, but yeah, that's the Atari 2600 version. But, um, anyway, and going over to Twin Galaxies. The high yeah. score, once again, just barely, barely, barely beating you. July 5th, 1987, Michael Bangs scored 47,024,400. Uh, we're there, dude. Now, that's the marathon settings.
1: I wonder what that is.
0: I think what that means is that you could it, it enables you to keep getting bonus lives. Aha. Uh-huh. Like every okay. X number of scores, so basically you could play forever.
1: Now, I have to double-check the uh, the dip switch settings, because I thought this was one of those games where you could only get a maximum of three bonus lives.
0: Yeah, and uh, they have another track, what they call tournament settings, which I believe is when you can only get a certain number of lives. Okay. And that, uh, June 2nd, 2004, Richard W. Marsh, uh, with a score of 1,306,100. No, now,
1: what's interesting... Uh, no relation to Randy or Stan Marsh. No. South Park. I don't, be-
0: I don't believe so. I don't believe so. It doesn't say that here. Now what's interesting is that the world record holder according to Arcade uh for the arcade version, which is the 6 million, I'm guessing that must be the the marathon settings. He has the s- uh, on Twin Galaxies the second highest score for tournament settings. Steve Kiriakides 933,450. Nice. So, barely edging out my score there
1: i am disappointed about one thing just one this is a game about the solar system and the planets and we have only made one reference to uranus there's a wonderful and exciting world out there when we discover that we don't need tv to entertain us (laughs) he thought (laughs) enough
0: you know when i was in i don't remember if it was seventh grade or eighth grade but I remember we were talking about, you know, the planets and my science teacher said, "Well, you know, they're trying to they're trying to get people to call it Uranus now because no one likes to say Uranus.
1: Uranus is just as bad." It's just as bad. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought.
0: I mean, how many jokes
1: about Uranus can a guy make before they just aren't funny? I've seen satellite pictures of Uranus. Don't. <laughs> Uranus. <laughs> Pee or poop, your choice. Yeah, right here on the Pie Factory podcast. Number 2 or number 1? I think that uh, that about wraps it up. We're not going to release the theme. We won't tell you until next week because we are bastards that way. But we still have the contest. You can still get a hold of us and tell us what Donkey Kong Jr. and Donkey and Donkey Kong Jr. and Gyrus have in common.
0: And by the way, what uh, what do you? How many continues do you rate Gyrus?
1: This is a five continue game for me.
0: Yeah, this this is a 4, but it does have five for me. It's it's a 4 continue, but it has the potential for 5. I just need to spend some more time with it, which I do plan to do. Next time I'm at an arcade that has
1: it, you know. The music is astounding on this game. I just absolutely love it. Once again, next episode of yeah. Pie Factory, we will announce the winner of the contest. We're going to be recording in what 2 weeks to be so you have until, until about 7 o'clock Central Time, September 1st, to get your entries in. Uh, just tell us what the theme is of today's show. What do Donkey Kong Jr. and Jairus have in common? We've already gotten a couple of entries. There's already a couple of people that have guessed but want someone else to win the prize so they haven't officially entered the contest. And you
0: have to guess correctly.
1: You have to guess correctly. And the guesses we have so far are all correct. So, yeah, so we're going to have to have a hat. We're going to have to go a little hat this, with this. That's right so um get them in and uh sean's lovely wife will let us know at the end of the show how you can get a hold of us so that's i right. think that is about all for today um shall you close the show out um yeah this is Mick sean and this is jimmy g reminding you that with the pie factory podcast you are never more than three warps from uranus bye-bye uranus bye-bye that's all folks
0: this episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Oh, um, hi everybody. Sean again. Uh, that is, Mick Sean. Um, Realized we forgot to mention what games we'll be covering in episode 14. Um, that would be Dragon's Lair and Time Pilot. Sorry about that. Now back to our credits. Bye. Jim and Sean can be contacted on Facebook via the Pie Factory podcast page over email at piefactoryfab at fab4it.com or over Twitter at piefactorypfp. pfp. Visit the Pie Factory podcast on the web via Flark at flark.it slash piefactory. Uh, we mentioned the Kong Off 4, which happened in Hey, hey, Pittsburgh. hey, 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 don't do that in public. Let's Yeah, we already did that before.
1: Oh yeah, we did, so, didn't we? Uh, oh, Whoa, we didn't do that before. Yes, we did. Oh, damn that's it. our trademark. Oh, by the way, that fifty-two hundred you gave me, uh, the uh, the original joystick that uh, came with it, yeah, it's not working anymore. <laughs> I have to figure that out again. I have to, yeah, uh, I had to fix that
0: it. thing a couple of times myself. Yeah. Yeah. The I'm funny thing is, when I got them. that, when I originally got that thing, the guy uh-huh. at the store said. Have you ever owned a fifty two hundred before? I said, No, but I know about all the quirks and everything. He's like, okay, well I just want to let you know the controller works, but it might not work next week. Right.
1: You know, and and that- it's, it's the buttons, it's not the it's not the actual joystick oh, yeah. part of it. Yeah,
0: all you gotta yeah. do is you ta- take Take it gotta, apart
1: and eraser or whatever.
0: You just just glue some just uh glue some aluminum foil on the rubber things.
1: I hate when people call it tin foil. They haven't made tin foil in eons yeah. figuratively. Anyway. Have you guys heard a word I've said? Uh Uh, yeah. Enough. (sighs) Yeah yeah.